listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Everybody should stay perked up and should be listening to what I'm going to tell you. What I'm getting ready to teach you, what I'm getting ready to reveal to you, if you will take it, you will understand it. God can help you understand it and apply it. It will change your life. It will cause you to have victory in your life. It will cause you to have prosperity in your life. It will cause you to go from where you are currently at to where the Lord wants you to be. And, you know, we, we really don't ever finish this journey or really get to the place until we get to the, to the end of our life, right, fully. I mean, we don't fully get there till we get to heaven. But we should be in the process of moving that direction. And I've, I've seen a lot of people over the years to where they'll get saved, and, and we've seen this, and maybe we were there for a while, they get saved, and for 5 or 10 or 20 years, they stay stuck in the exact same place, and they never grow, they never mature, they never step into things that God has promised them. And you know, the, the promises of the Lord, which often can come in form of prophecy or, or just words that you read that God really instilled it in your heart, all of those things are true. God's word is always true. His word that he speaks to you is always right. It's always accurate. But when we see things from time to time that don't come, past, come to pass, it's because we didn't cooperate with, with the Lord in seeing that thing come to pass. It's really important to understand that because sometimes we can, we can hear something's from the Lord. We'll know it's from God, and then it's like, you know, years, years go by, and we never see it happen. But it was because the Lord was, was really giving us what we needed to get to that place. But there were some things along the way that we needed to change, we needed to shift, we needed to adjust in order to make it to that place that the Lord has for us. Now, it's always by his grace. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by his spirit. It's the spirit of God that causes us to go from glory to glory, that causes us to go from where we are to where he wants to be. But we still have to cooperate with him. Amen. We have to cooperate with what the Lord is wanting us to do. And I've found that a big part of cooperating, the majority of it, is really just transforming um, not just your mind. And I'm going I'm to break this down here for you in just a minute. Not just your mind, but your entire soul. And your soul, my soul, let me say this. We're made up of three parts. We have a spirit a soul and a body. Or some people say we are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. I like that. That's fine. So we have three parts, but your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience. Most of the time, I'll just say mind, will, and emotions, and I'll say it real fast when talking about the soul, but it's actually your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience. And so really, what happens and what causes us for, to go from where we are to where God wants us to be is the transformation of our soul. And we have to go and, and, and change our thinking when it comes to soul. Because a lot of times when people think soul, they think your eternal spirit that's going to heaven. That's not your eternal spirit that's going to heaven. Your eternal spirit is the thing that's going to heaven. Amen? Your soul is the part of you that when you got born again, it made a decision that, yes, I need Christ. I need Jesus. 
But then it, it's a process of cooperating with the Lord through the word of God, through a relationship with him, to see your, your, your soul change, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience. So the, the, there's those four parts that make up our soul. And I want to talk to you for a little bit today about how to transform your soul, how to see your soul change in those different areas. And we're going to go to, this is our primary verse, 3 John. So 3 John, or uh, yes, the third book of John, not the gospel of John, not John 1 or John 2, but John 3, 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. Do we have that verse that we can pull up there, please? So I want you to see this here. It says, Beloved. Now, this is a really powerful verse. Everybody look up here and see this. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your what? Your soul prospers. Let me read it again. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, I want to say something here that is, that is adjacent, but I, I like this. I, I just want to tell you this. I was thinking about this, and I thought, I'm going to say that. This book was written to a man named Gaius, and we don't know a whole lot about Gaius other than he was a faithful person, and he helped the needy, and he helped the poor, and you know things like that, because if you go on and read it, uh, John mentions those things. And I was thinking what kind of person it would take for one of God's beloved apostles to write a book to that the church would read for the rest of eternity or for the rest of, yeah, really eternity because God's word is eternal. But what kind of person would it take to have a letter sent from one of God's most beloved apostles during that time that would be read for all, throughout all eternity? It was, if you go back and read in verse 1, it was Gaius, this guy who had a heart to help people, was devoted to the church, and was feeding the needy and all of that kind of stuff. I just thought that was really interesting. So if you were one that wanted to be in a position to where you would receive something like that, it might be who of you to begin to really help other people. Amen? Let me tell you something else. <laughs> Let's see. How, I'll just ask it, but don't anyone answer this. But would you be worth raising from the dead? Because, see, your value to the Lord never changes. You're always valuable to the Lord. You can't be any more valuable to the Lord than what you are right now. You're his masterpiece. You're his workmanship. He thinks more about you than you will ever possibly know. But I've come to find that there are people that aren't necessarily valuable to everybody else around them. And you say, well, people just don't know my value. Well, you're mean, you're cranky, you're nasty, you're offended, you're, you're all of this kind of stuff. You really aren't adding any value to anybody's life. And there's a reason I'm asking this, mostly just for my own humor, because I like to ask the question, are you worth raising from the dead? I, I want to show you this in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Let's look here in verse 36. And if we can pull this, this is a little off the cup for the guys in the back, but if we can pull it up here, that would be great. Acts chapter 9 and verse 36. And it says, and there was a, 
I don't know what translation that is, but I need the New King James, please. I'm just going to go ahead and read it for time's sake. It says, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas, which is a strange name to have a tran- be translated into. But anyways, so this lady named Dorcas, this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since uh, Lydda was in Joppa, or Lydda was in Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming there, coming to them. Then Peter arose and went to them. When he had come, they bought him. They brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out. There's a whole message in that that I'm not going to get to. But listen, if you want to see great miracles, you've got to get people out. They're going to bring down the room. Amen. Hallelujah. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. You know, I was reading this one day, and I felt like the Lord just asked me, are you somebody who's worth being raised from the dead? And I could answer from the perspective of the Lord. Amen. As an answer of some kind. I could answer from the perspective of the Lord that, of course, I'm worth being raised from the dead. But you see that people don't get raised from the dead because God just decides to do it. It takes people who are equipped with faith and I believe who are motivated to raise somebody from the dead. Because there were all kinds of people that died prematurely. But you don't hear about very many of them being raised from the dead in the Bible. But this woman, it specifies that she had really good work. She did really good things, and she helped people, and the people mourned. And so she was someone that was worth being raised from the dead. And, you know, this just got me thinking. And you can go too far with this to where you're so, you know, you're so inward thinking, and you're just like, oh, just, you know, I don't ever measure up or whatever. And you don't want to do that. But it's a simple question. Would people miss me if I was gone? And the enemy could take that, and I don't want him to do that, but could take that and just beat you over the head with it and say, oh, yeah, I'm worthless. No one would, no one would miss me. Well, become missable. Start to make some changes that would make you more attractive to people, to be uh, helpful to them, to be good to them. This maybe is too deep. See, I go deep in my relationship with the Lord. I'm willing to allow him to ask me questions like, Kent, would you be worthy of, of people raising you from the dead? And see, it would be easy for people like you guys to be like, oh, well, you're our, you're our pastor. You don't know me personally. Some of you do, but you're not with me. And I can promise you there have been times in my, my relationship with my wife that if I had died, she might have been tempted to just leave me and let me go into eternity. Because I, I probably wasn't being very nice at the moment. I wasn't being very good to be around. Come on, some of y'all got to give me a smile or something. You're freaking me out. All of you need to smile at me like this. Amen? Everybody smile at me. I want everybody to smile at me. Thank you. Hey, some of them will raise me from the dead, whether you will or not. Amen? <laughs> but it really, it just made me, it just made me think. 
it really made me think. And, you know, people are people and people got problems or whatever. But I've been around people before that it was like, you know, they, they passed. And, I mean, you know, it was just like they were so cranky. They were so mean to everybody. You know, you've, you've had people like that in your life. You know, it just didn't leave a lot of room to be motivated to really apply your faith to see them brought back to life. Come on now, thank you. I got a one honest smile over there. Thank you. Whew, tough crowd. That's a really rough question to ask, I know. But it's a good question. So you know what I've found? Is that every single person has the ability, through the Holy Spirit, to make themselves worthy of being raised from the dead. And the way that we do that is we begin to change our soul to where we can produce the life of God that is in us, out of us. Because, see, we want people to, to only view us by who we really are in the Spirit. And somebody who is mature in the Lord can view you that way. But the vast majority of people are going to look at you as to how you operate in your life. And if you're mean and nasty and whatever else and you don't do anything for anybody else, then you might not be one that would be raised from the dead is all I'm saying. Amen. But we have the ability through the Lord to where we can, we can change our, our soul to where what's on the inside of us will flow out of us. Because the Bible says, it says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will prove out what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And of course, your mind is part of your soul. But this verse right here, going back to John chapter, 2 John chapter 3, it says, I wish, or chapter 1, verse 2, 3 John 1 and 2. Thank you, Jesus. It says, I wish, beloved, and let's pull this back up here. It says, beloved, I wish above all. I want everybody to see this. 3 John 1 and 2. We'll start with 1. Go back to 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius. He was the one that did enough that the leadership, the beloved apostle John, thought enough to write him a letter personally. I find that really awesome. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So the word just as or the phrase just as means in proportion as or in the degree that or according to. So in other words, it's impossible to have one without the other. You cannot, pro and when we think prosperity, we oftentimes think financially, and it includes that. But I don't really believe in context this is even talking about money. I believe this is talking about the health of a person, their mental health, their spiritual health, their relational health, all of those kind of things. And what he's saying is that if you want to prosper in those areas, it happens in accordance to how your soul prospers, how your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience prospers. And it's really important that we understand, and I really bore my soul here this morning on quite a few things, actually, but the fact that, you know, I've had a tremendous amount of attack come to my mind, and really, and honestly, not just my mind, but also my will and my conscience 
and my emotions. I've had all of those things come under a heavy fire. Why? It's because that's where the battleground takes place. That's where the enemy wages his war against you. There are things happening in the heavenlies. There are things that are happening around us. There are principalities that have been ruling in regions for a long time. And I'm fine with praying over those things. I'm fine with speaking against those things. I'm fine with taking authority and all that. But I would say that 99% of how believers really need to take authority isn't in the heavenlies out there. It's in the, the hellacious thing that's going on in here. Amen. Come on now. Because we deal with so many things that come at us, and oftentimes we really don't take the tools of the Word of God and apply it to our benefit, and so we lose out on the prosperity that's supposed to be, that is there in our spirit, man, that's supposed to manifest in our life. There's not anybody sitting in this room that doesn't want to have joy and peace and good relationships and a long life. And, you know, you could go on down the list. There's not anybody in here that doesn't want to have that. But what it says here is that you prosper and be in health. And I believe that's a whole picture of a, of a human. Be whole and healthy as a whole. That you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Or in accordance with to how your soul is is working or how your soul is operating. And the truth is, is that we have authority over how we think. We have authority over how we feel. We have authority as to whether we have um, emotions that are leading us or emotions that are there as a spice to our life. I mean, that's what emotions are. They're the spice of life. Imagine if you didn't have any emotions. It would be horrible. Imagine if somebody preached without any emotions. It would be absolutely horrible. Amen. God's given us emotions, but they're not supposed to lead us. They're supposed to be an indicator. I'm going to get into that in just a second. I'm going to break this down for you a little bit more. But also your, your conscience. And so we're supposed to be healthy in all of these areas. And if we will, if we'll become that, and we'll get those things lined up with what God says about us, and how God has created us on the inside, then we'll have the benefits, the manifestation of that on the outside. But I've spent, the, and, and it was, the Lord is so amazing. He is so awesome. You can be right in the middle of a battle and think that you're not getting anything from the Lord. Come out, and he'll take you back and he'll go, remember when Liz showed you this? That had to do with your will. Remember when you were in this service, and this literally happened to me. Remember when you were in this service, and I spoke this one thing to you? That was about emotions. And the Lord went back, and he began to show me these things concerning these four areas of the soul and how to have victory in these areas so that we can have the prosperity in life, so we can be prosperous in our, in our souls and prosperous in every other area in life. That God, you know, he, des he desires that. He wants us, I believe that the Apostle John was speaking to Gaius here, and he was saying, this is the heart not only for, of me for you, but of the Father for you, for you to, be, you to be prosperous in your soul and in every area of life. This is really, really important. This, I could not overstate this, because Christians are so beat up and so defeated, and I'm, listen, I'm preaching to the choir. I've been through things to where I thank God that I have the wife that I have. And I've needed people to say, hey, the enemy is messing with your mind. He's toying with your mind. You're believing something that's not actually true. I'm so thankful to have people around me like that. But you know what? We have to get to the point to where we take these things and we do the warfare and we win in these areas. We stop allowing the enemy to affect how we think, how we feel, 
what direction we're going in our life and to have a heavy conscience. There are so many Christians. There are some that have uh, an evil conscience, and I wonder if they're really even Christians, but whatever. Some that have an evil conscience that want to do evil. There's not too many of those. There's a lot of them that have a seared conscience because they keep putting themselves in the fire and they've burnt off the nerves of their conscience and they don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. Sometimes people come out of the world and they need to have their, their conscience healed because they don't even know that certain things are absolutely destroying them because they've been in that fire for so long. It's like their nerve endings are totally, completely destroyed and they keep going back to the thing that they've been doing and their conscience is seared and they don't even know what they're doing is wrong. But what I found where most Christians are, most believers are, is that they have a, a, uh, a defiled conscience in terms of they don't feel right with God because they're looking at their past or their flesh or just their, their humanity side. And so they try to come before the Lord and they have no victory in their relationship with the Lord because they're constantly conscious of their old sin nature that they no longer even possess because they have a new born-again nature on the inside. But the enemy's got them thinking back on how they used to be or in particular problems that they might still have operating in their flesh. And they're so heavy in their conscience that they can't even stand before the Lord and worship. You would be surprised at how many people could come into a service just like this, where the anointing is flowing, uh, you know, the worship team was playing amazing, and everything was going great, and they stand there and go, God, I just I want to have breakthrough. God, I just want to be connected to you. And then they, they butt, and then they put all the this, this stuff in there. And, and as the old saying goes, you got to be careful where you place your butt. Amen? It needs to be, God, you know all this stuff happened, but... Jesus has come and has made a way for me to be clean. And God, I'm not clean on the inside because of my works, but I'm clean because of the works of Jesus. And I refuse to be defiled. I refuse to be heavy in my conscience. I choose to look at how God made me. Amen. Praise God. So I want to show you these four areas just a, a, a little bit more. And so we've got four areas of the soul. Number one, and I'm going to try and write these down as I'm talking here. So we've got them up here. Number one, well, that's not even unpackaged yet. That's a brand new one. All right. So number one, and I might make some little pictures here, so this will, this will help me. Or not pictures, but uh, shapes. I like to put things in shapes. That's how I got all my paper, and so that's how I'm going to do Actually, I don't have a paper. I have an iPad. Anyways, whatever. Stay focused, Kent. Don't let your mind go crazy. Okay. Get it in mind. See, I'm really not crazy. All right. So your mind is, this is how I, I describe your mind. It's how we process information. If you can read my handwriting, it would be a miracle, but praise God, you got the gist of it. So our mind is the part of us in our soul. It's how we process information. I call it the this, this central processing unit. So, you know, when you have a computer, especially a lot of people use laptops now, but, you know, the, the, the older computers, I, I, well, not older, but, you know, laptops are more, you know what I'm saying? They got the towers is what I'm trying to say. And you got a screen, you got a keyboard, you got the different parts is what I'm trying to say. All right. And so the central processing unit, that's the tower that's there. Whatever is taking place inside of that is going to be displayed on the screen to see. And in the day of the Internet, that could be really, really bad or it could be really, really good, you know. You could put on something really, really bad, or you could put on a 
Todd White video or something. You go back and watch me preach this all over again. That would really be a blessing to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Bigger amen would be helpful. Thank you very much. But your, your, your mind is your central processing unit. So the information that comes in, your mind determines what takes place with that information. And this is extremely important. And this is really probably the, 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 the biggest part of your soul. It's the driving part of your soul because, you know, you can have a computer screen and just have a screen, but it, you don't, if you don't have a CPU, there's not going to be anything that comes up on the screen. But again, whatever's taking place inside of that CPU, that's what's going to manifest up on the screen for everybody to see. Amen. So this is really important that we understand this. Now, I'm going to do, I'm going to I'm going to use my new fancy board here. This is so awesome. Thank you, Wendy Johnson. Although it's not flipping. Okay, I'm going to turn it around here. <laughs> I'm going to use this side, and I want to show you something. We were trying to fix it before. Anyways, uh, and we didn't do a very good job. But I want to show you something, a, a difference here. Everybody with me? Yeah. Everybody okay? All right. So we get things confused, and I thought, you know what? I've had this straight in my mind, but I don't think I've ever explained this. There is a difference between the mind of Christ, your mind, and your physical brain. Okay? So you've got, oh, I don't know if I can draw this. We're going to do a circle. Nobody's a circle. Some are more round than others, but nobody's really a circle, okay? I'm just using this. Some of us are more round than others. All right. Your spirit, and then you have your soul, and you have your body, all right? And inside of your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. Inside of your soul, you have your mind which, again, is how you process information that comes to you. And inside of your body, you have your brain. We might call it a mind, but it's the actual physical organ that's inside of your brain. And all of these things work in conjunction with each other. And the thing is, is that you, the goal, the goal is, is to have the mind of Christ manifest in our life. Because if you have the mind of Jesus working in your life, you're going to have the right results in your life. Amen. You can't go wrong thinking like he thinks. But what happens is that, especially when we've come out of the world, our mind, our, our, the way we process information can still be like it was before we got born again. Or if you got saved into a really uh, messed up uh, religious system, you could be thinking like that when it's not in line with the word of God at all. So you could have a whole number of things that determine how you process information. So our goal is to renew our minds to where we think like, we act like, we look at things like the mind of Christ, like God does. And when we do that, what happens is that what's in here, which again is inside of our spirit man, right? So what happens is what's in here can go through here and begin to come out and manifest itself in other areas of life, in our physical body, and relationships, whatever it is. But if we're only operating from this place right here, our, our mind, and it's not been renewed by the Word of God and by the mind of Christ in our spirit, man, then what's going to manifest out is only what we've put in there. It could be good. It could be not so good. It could be evil. It could have some good stuff. And that's usually a pretty good mix-up of where people are at. They got a, they got a, a mesh-up of a little bit of Word of God here, a little bit of experience here. Oh, this is what my mama said. This is what my daddy said. This is how we always do things. Whatever it is, 
And it could be hurt. It could be pain. It could be all kinds of things that could be mixed up in there. And that's what's manifesting out. Now, here's something interesting. Liz has taught me some things about this that I didn't, I didn't know that have really helped me. But your, and this is probably the best way to say it, your soul, in particular, your mind works in conjunction with your physical brain. <clears throat> and how you think will create literally physically in your physical brain will create new pathways for your brain to function. And so if you have been speaking or saying or believing, um, specifically thinking certain ways over yourself that have been wrong or been negative, you know, I'm a nobody, I'm not going to amount to any, anything, nobody cares about me, nobody believes in my ministry, nobody believes in my gift, people are against me, you think that way, it literally creates pathways in your physical brain that causes damage to your physical brain. Has anyone, anyone in here ever heard of Carolyn Leaf before? Oh my gosh, good, good number. She's incredible. And one of the things I got from her great revelation is that our physical brains are hardwired for love. And whenever we speak different than what God says, different than love, we're actually physically changing the nerve endings and the pathways in our brain to function different than how our brain was designed to function. And that is why, I believe, that is why we have so many diseases in the earth. It's not just because there's a bunch of diseases. It's because the enemy has got people saying things different than what God says. And it's literally changed the way their physical brain is operating. And, and there's some proof in this as far as, like, we can understand this. If you ever drive... And Liz and I were talking about this last night. Um, if, you, if you ever go from your house to your, your work, say, and it's the same thing every day, you ever gotten there before and you're like, I don't even remember driving here, which is a little bit scary if you want to be honest, right? Um, but you can take a new path or a new way to work or, or, or home from work, and it will cause you to think, where do I turn? Oh, which direction? How do I need to get there? And it's what you're doing is you're creating new pathways in your physical brain. We pull up to our house last night, which we're getting ready to move out of. Praise God, we sold our house and everything's in the works. Um, we're moving out of on Friday. And she goes, we've only got a few more days of pulling up to this. You know how ladies are. They're like, we've got a few more days. And so sentimental or whatever. I'm like, oh, praise God, we're moving. And uh, she said, I wonder if we're just going to, like, pull in here by accident sometime and be like, oh, wait, we don't live here anymore. And it's funny is I had the exact same thought before because we're so used to driving down the same ways. Listen, the enemy has captured so many people's minds that you're driving down the same road that whenever you think one thing or one thought comes to you, immediately you go down a pathway. And God's saying, stop going down that pathway Turn your course and start going down this pathway. Amen. And if we do that, we not only change how we think internally, but we also affect our physical brain and cause things to function and work better concerning that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I've got you on the ropes right now, and I'm wondering, should I give the knockout punches or come back next week and finish it up? Because I feel like I have a lot to say, and I think that's probably what I need to do. Hallelujah. I have so much that I want to say concerning our emotions and our conscience and our will that it's really, really going to help you. You want, you want to listen to the second part of this. But listen, it, we have to come to a place, and I hope you all understand that I was kind of joking when it came to, like, are you worthy of being raised from the dead? Look, if you die premature, 
I am going to uh, raise, I'm just going to believe God to raise you from the dead. Amen? That's what, that's what we, we uh, are believing for. And you know, you can't ever see someone raised from the dead unless you pray for them. And we've prayed for a couple dead people. They hadn't come back to life yet, but we will have dead people that will come back to life because God's given us the authority to do that. Amen? And it's always funny the people that would sit back and go, oh, I don't know if I believe that. And you just watch. It'll happen. You, and your, your eyes will be open up and you go, oh, my gosh, we actually really have the raising from the dead power on the You mean what you've been saying for the last 10 years? We actually, Yes, we have it on the inside of us. Amen? Hallelujah. But you know what? On the very simple level, we can cause our physical brains and our minds to be raised from the dead because some of the ways that we've been thinking have been totally, completely in the gutter, and they need resurrection power. Our minds, our brains need resurrection power on the inside of it. And if we, we will start with this and begin to uh, look at things differently, begin to see things differently, begin to speak things differently. And that's really how a, how a lot of that works. You're like, how do I actually take, like I have this information come to me. You know, there are people that have serious fear of, uh, of being sick. And so every time even the thought of a sickness comes, you automatically go down the road even if the sickness isn't even there. So how do you combat that? The way that you combat it is by, first of all, recognizing the, the word of God and recognizing how great God is, all that stuff. But then you open your mouth and you say what God says. If you don't open this, then you're not going to change this. Guaranteed, guaranteed. If you don't speak, you won't, you won't change things. You won't change things in, in your thinking and in your mind. But, you know, we, we get so hardwired to think ways and certain things and the devil's tricked us, that we'll be in fear, we'll be in torment, we'll be in speculation before we even get to that thing. This is why this happened. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. I felt impressed. I was like, I just feel like going for a run this morning. I didn't really feel like it, but I felt impressed to go for a run. And the Lord just showed me something when I, when I went for a jog. And I was coming down this, and I was listening to worship music. Man, I was just worshiping the Lord. And I was coming down this hill, and all of a sudden, I, this is a true story, all of a sudden I started to think, Oh, man, this is so difficult. It's so challenging. And when you're running down a hill, it's really not that hard, especially when you've got hills you have to run up. But I started thinking about how difficult it was, and I looked down, and I realized I'm running downhill. But what I had done is I looked at the hill that was coming up and it affected how I was thinking in here. I thought it was more difficult than what it really was. That's a pretty good picture. Do we not do that in life? It's like we'll see something, and we'll get into dread before we even have to face the thing. And you know what I've come to find out is that a lot of times they, you have my full permission to bring this back to me and slap me in the face with it in love. <laughs> Sometimes we'll look down the road, and we'll see it looking like this. And it's like, oh, it's like, you know what? First of all, the God that brought us through the last thing is going to bring us through this thing. Second of all, Half the time, he cuts the tops off of it anyways, and it's easy. He cuts the tops right off the hills. It's no problem. We don't even have a hill by the time we get there. The hill is in our mind. The hill is in the way that we're thinking. The hill is in the way that we're perceiving things. Praise God. Man, this is awesome. I love this. The amount of, I, I, I would never say that, like, oh, my problems are just so big or whatever. But, you know, the, the enemy he, he understands tactics, and if he can cut the head off, the rest of the body won't function right. We, we understand that. So the things that come against me sometimes are bizarre, 
and, and heavy. And it's not like I can have anybody else climb in my mind and rearrange my thinking. I have to do it. We were talking with somebody recently, and it's like everything that they were saying was that they wanted us or somebody else to fix them. Only you and the Holy Ghost can fix you. It's, it's really what it boils down to. A lot of times people want, you know, and there's times when you can get a touch from God and things will happen. Someone pray for you and things get released, whatever. But 99% of the time it's you and the Lord working together to work that thing out in your life. Amen. So I believe that you're empowered to do that thing. I believe that God's given you the ability to do this, to change things, to change directions, to change course. Amen. Was I getting ready to give you some ammo and I didn't give it to you? What was I going to say? Oh, you got the ammo? Okay. I interrupted myself and I thought, no, wait a second. I was going to say something. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. No, I won't say that. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Ghost. Rabbit trail was really a detour. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Is this good stuff? Yeah. This is helpful. Let's be raising from the dead worthy. Amen. <laughs> I find that funny. I think the Lord's funny to ask a question like, would you be worthy of being raised from the dead? And I knew, see, I already know my lo his love for me. I don't, I don't question that. I, I reassure myself of God's love every day. I'm like, thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you that you care. So when he asked me that, I was like, oh, God, do you love me? He was saying, do other people really love you? Are you really, have you allowed what's inside of you to manifest outside of you? Has that happened yet in your life? And it's like, well, Lord, I'm, I'm doing good, but I still have a little ways to go. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just stand up? Let me bless you. Father, we love you. We thank you, God. I thank you for this word. I thank you that this is turning some things around for people. And that, God, where they've been taking wrong pathways and where they've been going down the road in particular areas and ways, that, God, things are going to begin to change. Things are going to begin to turn. And this is why you, you spoke in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, and you said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Lord, I believe, and I'm declaring over us, that we will keep the word of the Lord in our mouth, that the word of God will remain in our mouth. The only reason it departs is because we're speaking it so much, because it's constantly in our mouth. Lord, we speak your word. We meditate on your word. We declare your word. We say what you say. And we're not going to get snagged with, with the offenses. We're not going to get snagged with the fears. We're not, we're not going to get snagged with the lies of the enemy. What a prophetic statement to happen in song this morning, having no idea the direction that you wanted me to share this morning. What an awesome picture. We will not allow offense. We will not allow fear. We will not allow any lie of the enemy to get us to believe and to think and to create pathways in our mind or our physical brain different than what you say. We're going to put on the mind of Christ. We are a son of God. We are a daughter of God. We belong to you. We're seated with you in heavenly places. God, you believe in us. You have confidence in us. My God, God has confidence in you. He says he has confidence in you. And Father, I thank you for all of the fake confidence in any of us that's being exposed right now. Let us have no confidence in the flesh. 
Well, I'm telling you, that's for a few of you right now. You need to not have any confidence in the flesh. It's a fake confidence, and I've had plenty of that. Everybody in this room has had plenty of that. Let us have no confidence in the flesh, but we're confident in who we are in him, and that's how God sees us. When You know, when God, you ever think about what's on, oh, Jesus. Oh, whoo, I'm preaching myself happy. You don't even know what I'm going to say. Oh, this is awesome. You don't need to get your pen, your paper, and write this down. This is awesome. God has a central processing unit. And when you, when he types your name in the keyboard, and you pop up on his mega monster supersized jumbo screen in heaven, he sees you. For who you truly, really are. <laughs> if you type your name, oh God, and your computer, ask yourself this question What, oh Jesus, what pops up on my screen from my central processing unit? Some of y'all need to go in and clear your old search at, searches out. And you need to type in your name. Get everything cleaned out and cleared out. You type in your name and you let God pop up there what's supposed to pop up there. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit OCIPerryville.com.